Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to The Break. Back just in time for the World Championship. We'll bring you expert analysis and exclusive content while snooker's best battle it out at the Crucible. So subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. And coming up on this episode, we'll hear from Ronnie O'Sullivan and find out how the rocket is feeling ahead of the big one. We'll also be joined by the legend, that is Jimmy White, and we'll preview the action in Sheffield now that the draw has been made and we know who plays who in the first round. I'm Rachel Casey and I'm joined by the former world number three, Neil Foles. Neil, how are you? Very good, thank you. They finally let you out of the bubble. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a, a big test for everybody, I think. And in fairness to World Snooker, it's a very tough kick. Getting the qualifiers done was always going to be the biggest headache, if you like, they were ever going to have. And uh, they got through that, and I think they deserve all the credit. And uh, now we're at the, ready for the big one. Yeah, they say good things come to those that wait, and the very best for snooker fans, because the delayed 2020 World Championship is upon us. To be honest, I never thought we'd have this day, uh, going back to the depths of March. But it's going to be very difficult different, Neil. You know, there's no getting away from that. It is. The format's the same. You know, that you've got the uh, defending champion on day one for completing his match. Uh, the, the frame durations are the same. Not, not so in the qualifiers, where they did cut them down a little bit to get them done. But, yeah, I think when we get into it, it'll probably feel as near to normal as we can get, really, for a World Championship. Oh, well, I, I, I don't even want to go into the new normal, but no. uh, there'll be no crowd um, like we know it. There will be spectators there. And um, I think the advice to all the fans that will be lucky to have a seat, clap cheer as loud as you can live snooker returns to Eurosport and Eurosport.com watch the World Snooker Championship from the 31st of July to the 16th of August more from Neil on the way stay with us for Jimmy White in a few minutes time but first let's hear from the Rocket Ronnie O'Sullivan how's he feeling and how's his game ahead of the Crucible I played two tournaments in seven months so yeah, it hasn't haven't had a lot of practice, haven't had a lot of matches in in, in that in that way. But that's okay, you know. I'm, I'm, I never really worry about that, you know. I kind of just think, you know, once I get into a match, I get into a tournament, you know, something happens along the lines, you know, it might be a tough first round, it might be a, a tough quarterfinal, or something happens where you go, okay, right, I'm in, I'm ready, you know, I'm, I could win this tournament, you know, I can win this now, you know. So you just kind of just have to rely on your instincts, rely on your ability and rely on your belief and just kind of go in there and, and make every shot count. If I were to compare where I am in careers at the moment, it's a little bit like um, 
maybe a bit like Tiger Woods, Roger Federer in many ways. You kind of like, you've got nothing to prove. Probably not the best player in the world, but they bring a certain energy to a tournament that if they're in it and they're playing well, it's a different buzz or a different vibe. And I just think I kind of look at it from that perspective and go, don't be too hard on yourself if you don't win. You know, I don't play as much as the others. I'm not as match fit as the others. But on my day and on my, ga- you know, if, if everything goes well and I, you know, and I get a bit of luck and a bit of whatever, you know, and I can build some momentum, then, you know, I'm a handful for anybody. So I kind of get my buzz knowing that, you know, there's only so many certain people that can create magical moments, you know, and, and it's, there's, there's very selective few people that can do that. And I just know that it might be a one four seven. It might be that I win the World Championships, but I know that... I'll pull something out of the bag and you know that's that's the buzz I have to go with is that you know as long as I leave my mark on the tournament in some way or another hopefully it's not getting beat first round like I did last year but you know what I'm saying it's sort of like I still think I'm capable of producing something given the circumstances you know well, we know that he's definitely still capable, Neil, and there just is something about Ronnie O'Sullivan he produces magic. Whether he loses in the first round, we saw last year there's always going to be stories and whether he's going to play, if he's not going to play. And listen, people want to write about him, but it's fantastic to have him in this tournament. Of course, and uh, he's going to have to do a lot better than last year. Like you say, lost to an amateur player, although James Cahill is not, he is an amateur, or he was by name, he was better than that. But the fact is, you, if you go back just over a year, you know, he won the Tour Championship, beat Judd Trump in the final, and he pointed he made about playing two tournaments this year. I mean, one of those wasn't the Masters. I've still no idea why he missed that, but it would have been a shame, you know, given what we were going to go through, that he didn't play in that event. So he's a bit rusty, but I don't see any reason why that should stop him. Um, I think he's got a great chance. And I do think you get people who are going to say, oh, you know, Ronnie can't win it again. You feel like, well, draw up a shortlist that's not got him on. And if he's not on it, really, you must be doing it out of spite because he can definitely win the tournament. He doesn't necessarily like the, the long matches and the long tournament anymore, but he's won this five times. So he, he can definitely win it again. He's fit and he's able. He mentioned um, Tiger Woods and, and Roger Federer. He was saying that, you know, he doesn't have anything to prove. Do you feel that he... He has the belief still, you know, or has he got anything to prove? What do you think? I don't know. I mean, obviously, Roger Federer won Wimbledon eight times, and so he went on that extra level of, of, of winning things. So, you know, Ronnie probably, while he has nothing to prove, he would like to prove to the world that he's still the best. And I think there have been just one or two cracks with his game recently in, in the odd matches we've seen. You know, when he lost to Kyron Wilson in the Welsh, he missed a couple of blacks off the spot we don't, we don't expect. And then he lost to Stuart Bingham in the Championship League. Again, he missed one or two. So there are one or two cracks appearing. He's the greatest player I've ever seen by, by some margin. Stephen Hendry will be the next one. But, you know, he's still got it. Um, and I, while he's got nothing to prove, I think the game needs him still to have that. And, and he's a big, big player this year. Yeah, he just brings the sparkle, brings the showbiz. Uh, he's said in the past uh, that he'd nearly prefer to lose in the first round than to go all the way and, and lose in the final which kind of brings me on to, to John Higgins as well. You know, similar story. He's been in, in the last three finals. What do you think we can expect from, from John? And, and, and just kind of explain why, why Ronnie would, would say something like that. 
Well, I don't know with Ronnie. I mean, obviously, his experience of losing in a final was in 2014 to Mark Selby. And, and I think that there is a chance that, that actually left a mark on him because he hasn't very played very well there ever since. In the case of John Higgins, I don't know how he does it, but in the last two or three championships, he's slipped under the radar a little bit, but he's still got to the final. Now, he's such a great player that he's been. The thing with John is he hadn't played well all year, but at the Crucible, he's got the game. And let's be honest about it. All these flashy players that go in the first round looking great with John, he's there for the duration. He's got the game to play for two and a half weeks. So he's still going to be a very tough man to beat. And uh, I'm going to be overlooking him, but he's definitely a player who's, who's got what it takes. He plays uh, Matthew Stevens, And uh, back to, to Ronnie, um, talking about the draw, we're still kind of going through different matches and there was oohs and there were alls when it was Tep Chai and New. Do you think that's going to be a, a tricky match for him? Do you think Ronnie be watching on, kind of looking forward to the, the prospect of playing a player like him? Well, it's a difficult draw because Tep Chai is a, a very good player. You know, we think of him as young. He's actually 35 years of age. He's been around a long time, but he's never been so good. He's not far from being in the 16 now. And the other thing is he can win three frames in 20 minutes. What I would say is I've never seen a player who plays that attacking game when it hasn't really suited O'Sullivan. So as good as he is and what he does, it won't frighten Ronnie. He likes games like that. He doesn't like the players that will bog him down. Interestingly, on the average shot times in the game, these two are the two quickest players in the game. So that match is going to be over in in the blink of an eye and it's going to be the best first-round match I've seen for years. I don't think we'll be bored watching that one. Uh, Okay, let's hear more from the Rockers and looking ahead to the action at the Crucible. He thinks the pandemic pause could actually be good for him. Going into this year's World Championships, in many ways, it's better for me that everybody's had the break and kind of stopped their momentum because I had no momentum. They had a lot of momentum. So really, it's sort of like it's like you're starting a new season, really, and everyone's coming in cold in many ways. So, you know, I think it's much more, probably a little bit more suited to me that it's worked out how it's worked out. But obviously, it's not ideal. Whether there's a crowd there or not, you're still playing snooker. You've still got an opponent sitting there that if you make a mistake and he's on form, he's going to punish you. So that, as far as that, that doesn't change at all. But what I do think will change is that obviously the crowd and the atmosphere plays a part at, at any tournament, you know, but especially the Crucible because of, the, you know, for what it is, you know, it's, our, it's the biggest event we play in, you know. And, um, and I think at key moments, maybe there's not going to be that charge of energy, you know, and the players feel it and some players deal with it better than others. So maybe that might play a part this year where some players, you know, they're just, you know, it's like someone like Barry Hawkins or someone, you know, like Stephen Maguire, who just kind of just, they go about their business and they're very, very good. And, um, you know, and they just, you know, they'll punish you and, you know, and, 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 and maybe that situation might benefit them more than, say, someone like a Judd or someone like a, a John Higgins or someone like that who, who thrives on, on, on maybe the energy of a crowd, you know. Well, we've seen some players, Neil, benefit from the break already. Ronnie mentions Judd there. He was rolling. He had all the momentum. How did you think he came back? Um, you saw the two tournaments in the Marshall Arena in Milton Keynes. I don't think he played particularly well in either of those two events. And, of course, he eventually lost to Stephen Maguire. And he gave an interview after that many thought was a bit ungracious. I'm always forgiving of people that get the mic thrust under their nose after seconds after losing a match. It's yeah. tough, isn't it? Because, it is you know, it's, it's, the match is still very fresh. You're fuming, you're disappointed, and the last thing you want is to chat. But still, at the same time, there was a lot of chat about that, that interview. I'm more suspicious of the guys that have take defeats so well. 
you, you know, you, it's got to hurt, and Judd will be ready. I mean, he's, he's got the, the crucible curse to overcome. No one's ever won it for the first time and gone back and won it the next year. It's never happened, and that includes all the greats. Henry didn't do it. Davies didn't do it. O'Sullivan, Higgins, none of them did it. So that will be something if he could overcome that, and it, it's not really a thing other than the fact is it's hard to win it two years in a row, especially hard because you know that when you win it for the first time, you might, after that, even that first day, come away and you're no longer world champion. He's got that on his shoulders. Mm. Crucible curse is almost we, it's romanticised, <laughs> isn't it? A snooker folklore. I think, is. like, listen, it's you're up against it, defending any title. I think he's got a good draw. Tom Ford is a very good player. Uh, I saw him after his, his, he qualified last night and he was delighted. But I don't think, I mean, he's played at the Crucible three times. He's never won a match before. And uh, he plays on day one against Judd, so he's had no time to really prepare for that. So I don't think anyone wants that draw that he's got. So, but he's got no choice. He's going to have to turn up and play him. Now he has spent a year away from from play, Ronnie. We talk about momentum and coming back, and you know some players we've we've touched on. You know a couple that have come back, the likes of uh, Stephen Maguire, who really is the I guess the form player coming into this. But you know even the likes of Martin Gould, um, he was fresh. You know he was he was like a different fellow, wasn't he? It's a very interesting match that they're playing each other, isn't it? Maguire, look, he owes Ding Junhui a drink. I'm not sure if he does drink, but um, he owes him something because if Ding had played in the Tour Championship, then um, Maguire would not have been able to enter it because it was for the top eight. He came in as number nine and won the whole thing, you know, 150,000. And at the time he said, I've never looked forward to the World Championships more. He probably could have done with it starting a few days later. But just a word about Martin Gould, because the interview I did with him after he won his qualifier, he said he was in a very bad place. Don't know the situation with that, but uh, the lockdown helped him. Some people have said that. Look, you know, everyone's different. And one thing is, he's a really good player, and he was close to going off the tour, which is strange because he's a lot better than that. And um, Maguire won't see that as an easy draw because his good friend Graham Dot was on the wrong end of it in the last qualifier. So that's an interesting game. Very interesting match. Alan McManus and Anthony Hamilton, of course, the uh, the two guys that are rolling back the years and looking to, first of all, Alan McManus, uh, 21st Crucible appearance, 29 years after his first, and he will be playing Mark Williams. And if you quickly do the sums, 94 years between the pair of them. Interesting again, but with with Alan, you know, he's very good in those qualifiers these days. You know, he had preparation, was getting up at eight o'clock every morning, getting into a club once the, the the regulations allowed, just putting in the hours, you know, and I was up there with him all week and normally I'd share a beer with Alan, but there was none of that. He, I still had one, but I had his one. <laughs> I'm not shocked by that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's good. He, he, listen, he's very professional. The, the problem with Alan, when he gets to the venues now and plays leading players, he's going to find it tough because he doesn't score quite as heavily as some of the others. But, you know, it's not so long ago that he reached the semi-final and and, and gave Ding a, a run for his money. And the, the man he's playing, Mark Williams, we don't know what he's playing like. He seems to be interested in playing golf and looking out for anywhere near Sheffield that can have a game of golf. I don't he's know why the, he would be he's saying the first, that. the first person I've ever seen whiz around the golf course on a scooter, which is quite mm. impressive. I think his time in Germany probably has, has rubbed <laughs> off. And now Anthony Hamilton, 13th appearance at the Crucible, his first since 2008. And I was a little bit surprised by by him actually making it, Neil, because he's had a bit of a nightmare, hasn't he? His queue was in pieces in transit in, in March, Gibraltar. And could it all be fate that we've had this amount of time, you know, the championship rearranged to July, that things just might be slotting into 
place for him. Possibly so. I mean, the, the fact is, you know, he, he didn't play in the Championship League because he was concerned about the virus. He, he went public with that. And I know that a very good friend of his has been particularly ill with it. So that's, that's something now. But he's, he's, he's happy to play. Interestingly, Kyron Wilson and him have, have a record because they played in the match where there were six consecutive centuries, which no one's ever done before in, in a match when two players play each other. Um, so that could be a really interesting game. Uh, Hamilton is a bit like McManus, you know, whether he's got the game still to beat the real leading players over long matches remains to be seen. But he's still good, too good for some of the guys in qualifiers. You stick the stick the queue together and make it sound so easy when it, <laughs> snooker queues smashed into pieces. Replaced or can can you have them repaired quite easily? I'm under the impression it got rep- it got repaired. Okay, um, but because it was the same queue it had all his life, and if you're not a snooker player, you might think, well, just get another one. But it, you could get another one, but it, it would take you a long time to get used to it. But you'd be heartbroken, Neil, wouldn't you? It, well, it, it is because it it becomes an extension of your arm actually, the, mm. the queue you're using. And um, look, it, it's good for him that he's there. And I was surprised it was 12 years since he last played there because everyone knows what a leading player he is. But he is in his 50th year, like McMahon. Now, you were in the beautiful bubble. What about the qualifiers that the seeded players would be kind of looking at? No, don't want him. Do not want to play him. Mm. There's two. I had two in mind. And they're not up-and-coming youngsters necessarily. But I think there's no doubt that Anthony McGill is on the way back. He was very impressive in qualifying. And don't forget, you know, he was the one that did for Selby. kept the curse alive in round two when he beat uh, Mark Selby. So, you know, he's got a good record there. He's a former quarter-finalist. And as I say, crucially, I think his game is back. Jack Lizowski's got him. That's not the draw you want. There's an argument that he's probably got the best chance of upsetting a seed in that game. And the other one, no doubt about this, Leanne Wenbo. And he's, he's a former ranking event winner. He's an inspired player. And his match with Neil Robertson is a repeat of the 2015 UK final, which Robertson beat him in. But he's he's a very interesting player in an interesting match. Well, in a moment, Neil, we'll take a look at the debutants, the youth in the draw. And we'll also be getting you to nail your colours to the mast as well. So that's all on the way. But now let's hear next from a legend of the game, six times world championship finalist, Jimmy White, fresh from competing and qualifying. Hello, Jimmy. How are you? Shame you didn't make it through. Yes, I was very disappointed. I had a very good chance this year to get to the Crucible. I won my first two matches but didn't play very well. And against Milkins, I lost a couple of close ones on the black. But um, I'm disappointed because in lockdown, I've been playing Kirk Mathlin and Alex Hurson-Becker, who both qualified for the uh, Crucible, and I've been holding my own with them. So it's a bit disappointing, but that's uh, what snooker's all about. It's all on the day. It really is all on the day and it will be all on the day for Alexander Ersenbacher, of course, did make it through and indeed Kurt Mafflin, who was so good, Jimmy. He's been superb in practice and um, he played really well in his qualifying match. The round before last, he was 5-3 down and managed to win 6-5 and then against Matthew Selt, he won 10-1. So he's going to be a handful for anybody. Yeah, great to see Kurt Mafflin through the first qualifier to a clinch victory and it really was a demolition of Matt Sell. So he's back at the Crucible. And what was the biggest surprise with those that didn't qualify? I was a little bit shocked to see Ali Carter missing out and indeed Luca Purcell. That's right. Ali Carter was big favourite. 
I don't think he'd ever seen his opponent before, so he went 4-0 down and more or less the match is finished in a best of 11. He managed to get it back to 4-3, but um, the kid played well to finish off the match. Luca Purcell, you thought after winning that tournament, the league that was just on, that he'd be full of confidence. But, you know, best of 11, it's um, it's like a five furlong race. And, uh, you know, I would say you're right, them two there were big favourites that got beat. And Jimmy, what was the bubble like? Folsey loved it. How did you cope? And were you happier to leave the bubble or the jungle? The jungle was 10 times better. The bubble was a weird situation, but fair play to World Snooker. They've done the best they can in the situation we're in. But um, going from having access to practice all the time and someone there getting the balls out for you to all of a sudden playing on your own at odd times for the odd half an hour, wasn't the greatest preparation for me, but um, we just had to do what we had to do. You know, thank God we've got the World Championships on. Absolutely. So good to have it on and a reduced crowd. And how much do you think the lack of the full crowd will affect the players? If you were playing, how do you think it would affect you? I would have um, been a bit all over the place for me to be at the Crucible and not have a crowd there. But hopefully players have learnt from the previous tournament, the league that Luca Purcell won, you know, that they're used to playing to no crowds. So it is what it is, but it's going to be very weird watching like the footballers. But we'll have to see. It might be weird, but it will be wonderful as well. Now, let's talk about some of the big stories, the debutants, five of them, all looking for a little bit of advice from the whirlwind. If you were a debutante, Jimmy, your first experience, what advice would you give to all five of them? My advice to them would be to walk through the curtain. When they get to the crucible before their game, go and walk through that curtain, get used to walking down them stairs because... That could be very daunting. And if you do that, then you're, you've sort of created the atmosphere. And then when it happens on the day, you'll be OK with it. Because sometimes it can take a player a game or so to settle down. And, you know, with the top players, we'll see the inexperience and they will jump all over that. But Jordan Brown, I was reading about this is his dream come true. I'm sure he'll be okay. And Alexander Ersenbacker, I've been practising with and he's been playing some great stuff. So uh, he's going to be, you know, very difficult to beat as well. So I think there's going to be a few shocks. I'm not going to actually pinpoint who they are, but I think it's going to be a great tournament and uh, I can't wait to watch it. And we can't wait to watch it with you, Jimmy. And talking about some of those shocks, what about the Rocket, Ronnie O'Sullivan? Do you fancy him? And how tough do you think that first round draw will be against Tepchayanu? That's a bit of a banana skin for Ronnie O'Sullivan because of his speed that he plays and how good he is. But on the other side of the coin, Teptuar Noon has drawn Ronnie O'Sullivan. So, you know, he was probably preferred the other 15 players besides Ronnie O'Sullivan. But you've got to make Judd Trump favourite because of the season he's had. But I think because of the layoff and I think Ronnie O'Sullivan's preparation, he's been running a lot and practicing. So I think this will be at the eighth year since he's won it. So I think he's overdue myself. So I'm going to tip Ronnie O'Sullivan to win the World Championships. Ronnie O'Sullivan then, the pick for Jimmy White. Thank you so much, Jimmy Darling, for, for joining us on our first podcast. And look after yourself up there. Blood, sweat and hopefully no tears. Rachel, there definitely will be tears. 
speak to you soon. Bye. Well, listening to Jimmy there, Neil, you'd swear he has been sent to the dungeon as opposed to the crucible. He's tipped Ronnie O'Sullivan. Are you surprised by that? No, because he always tips him. <laughs> but uh, the reason he always tips him is because he's the greatest player there's ever been. Um, overdue is an interesting way of looking at it. You know, I don't know if that's a good thing that he hasn't won it for so long. But I do think that the, the nature of the event is so different this year that he's, he's right up there on the list. He has to be, like I've already said. So um, he, he's a big player. If he gets into the tournament, into the longer match, I think it'll help him. We're talking about uh, the advice uh, for the Crucible debutants, and it's so lovely that we have got five of them. I think we should whiz through all five of them. If we can start with Alexander Ersenbacher becoming the first Swiss player to qualify for the Crucible, a huge achievement. Yes, and he played some really good stuff along the way. His win against Gary Wilson was an excellent game, and I think he's a, one that he's a bit inconsistent. On a, on a going day, he can really play, and he looks like he's buzzing. I don't think he'll go out there and, and will under pressure, so that's a, a good game. And Barry Hawkins, I believe, is using a new cue this year. He's had a, not the best run, so he's a vulnerable seed. Ersenbacher could win that game. Yeah, um, I think it's all a case of um, holding it all together when asked about you know whether you're going to enjoy the experience and walking down the steps. And he was saying, yeah, well, hopefully I, I just don't want to be crying. I'd be thinking I don't want to fall down the steps because it looks quite daunting. Ash Carty, tears of joy following his qualification, but such a key thing for the likes of Ash Carty and a couple of the other players, not just qualifying for the Crucible, but a, a two-year card as well. Yeah, and Ashley Carty is a very good player. I must admit, when I first saw him, he doesn't look a good player. He cues very strangely. He looks a bit like a local league player, but that that's not how he plays. It's just how he looks. He, he's there on merit, and um, he's playing Stuart Bingham, and that's an interesting game. He lives just down the road, uh, so I was going to say he'll get a lot of support. Clearly, we don't know how many people he'll be allowed to get in there, but he deserves his run. You know, he's world number 74, so all credit. And nobody fluked their way through these qualifiers. Good luck to Ash Carty as well against Stuart Bingham, and looking to uh, Jordan Brown who will be flying the Northern Irish flag. And I heard yourself and uh, Dave Hendon chatting about this during commentary. The eighth, the ninth player, I think. What lovely lad. Really likeable. Um, Just buzzing he was up there all the way through. He asked how many Northern Irish players had previously played. And this was before he'd won. And um, we've worked it out at eight. And he is now the ninth. And uh, what he's delighted about, he didn't want to play his real good friend, Mark Allen. They played... uh, both for the Northern Ireland in the World Cup together. So he hasn't got that. He's got Mark Selby. I don't know if that's a, a, a great reward for anybody because Selby, you know, we know how he can play. He can either play well and win and play badly and win. So it's a tough draw for him, without a doubt. You know, he's playing the real consummate match player. But I think Jordan Brown is, is on the crest of a wave. Do you know what he really is? A lovely snoo- lad. Uh, he's a lovely lad as well. But he's a snooker geek. He yeah. has absolutely loved the game. He's dreamt about this moment since he was five years old. There's too many people going around saying how difficult it is and how little fun the game is at times, you know, and he's not one of those guys. He looks like he wants to be there, so his, his infectious nature rubs off. Absolutely, and looking to Elliot Slesser, he's uh, also booked his first uh, Crucible appearance, turns 26 next week, uh, the 4th of August, and he, who knows, he, he might be celebrating his birthday up in Sheffield and obviously still in the tournament. Um, what do you think about his draw? He's playing Yan Bing Tao. He's in with a chance there as well. Slesser's beaten O'Sullivan twice uh, in ranking events and one of those O'Sullivan made a 147 so we can't say he wasn't playing well but I think he had a couple of poor years he's an interesting player he's a bit slow at times but I think he sped up a little and I think impressive against O'Donnell Martin O'Donnell in the previous round 
I think he's a good match player, so I'll be interested to see how he plays. I have to keep saying it, he's definitely up against a slightly vulnerable seed as well in Bing Tao, who you know, usually has to qualify for these events. He remains, of course, the youngest player in the tournament, Bing Tao, but a good draw. Yeah, we had four players qualify from, from China, obviously joining Ding in the, the main draw last year, but uh, Yan Bing Tao, uh, first time there as a seeded player, Liang Wenbo, obviously, and Ding Zhongwei, with uh, three Chinese players represented, and uh, Elliot Sless he did say he'd like another crack at Ronnie <laughs> which, uh, yeah. um, but he has got a fantastic record he doesn't play Ronnie when he, when he said it I thought ooh careful what you wish for mm. well that's right I mean I, I mean, I think a lot of people say that they want to play Ronnie I'm not sure they all do but uh, I don't get that I'd be like no Definitely I, not. I think what they do is they say that because if they do draw him, it doesn't look such a bad draw then, you know, as, and it seems he's a bit of mind games with themselves. Uh, just talking to those new players, I think... I think Jamie worth, Clark. Yeah, Jamie yeah. Clark. That's exactly what I was going to mention because another delightful youngster, him and Jordan Brown were just having a little beer every night, just talking about their matches all the way through. He had to win his match to stay out to get on the tour. He's not actually in the 64 and his tour card was gone, which meant Q mm-hmm. school or maybe a job out of the game. So the pressure in beating Sonny Akani last night was huge and uh, I think all credit to him you know he's playing he's playing Mark Allen so that's a tough game but um, Jamie Clark he, he's an outsider this week I don't necessarily think he'll get through but he's done extremely well Who is sad to see not make it to the cruise but it's quite a difficult question because you know a lot of them will be bitterly disappointed I think Sonny Akani is the one, uh, the, the, the Thai player who has always got his dad with him. Um, he got through to the last qualifier. His father wasn't allowed to travel over uh, from Thailand and uh, all he was doing was practising. But And, uh, and he's, he can't go back home, I think, until October. I'd like to see him get through and he's liked by everybody. So that's a real shame. But, uh, you know, of the players that all got there all deserved their chance, I think. Let's talk potential winners. Well, look, Judd Trump is the most obvious choice, right? But it's not very often the obvious choices that win. I'll draw up a short list of about four or five, if I'm allowed. Um, Yeah, we'll definitely allow you that. Well, Ronnie's on it, of course, as I mentioned. Judd can win it. I think Maguire's the the sort of the the wild card in that I never thought he could win it, but I'm starting to believe now that the form he's been in, anything is possible with him. And the other player I'd like to mention, Kyron Wilson. I think I've always, I believe that he's got a world title in him. He's very strong all-round game, very strong mentally. There are more talented players in the game than him, but not many stronger upstairs. And as I say, the first week of the Crucible, you can be one thing, but in the second week when you've got to really dig deep, I think he's a player who's capable of that. And Sean Murphy's in really good form. He's another one that's got a chance. I mean, there are players, I'd, you know, I guess you, you could actually add Selby to that, but I'm yet to be convinced by Selby uh, in big tournaments, you know, since he last won at the Crucible. So I'm not so sure, you know, but um, I, I do have a sneaky feeling that Kyron Wilson's got a big tournament in him somewhere. And, um, he, you know, he, he won't lack belief or motivation. He'll have practiced, he'll have trained, he'll have, he'll have done everything that is needed to, to win this whole thing. Very unusual that Ronnie O'Sullivan isn't the favourite. Uh, Jud Trump is the jolly and uh, Betfred, uh, since they've been sponsoring this tournament, they've always had Ronnie top of that market. But you've had someone that's the, the, the clear world number one now. He's the current world champion. He's won everything. And in the end, bookmakers are no different to anybody else, right? They go with numbers. They go with stats and they go with results. They don't, they're not sentimental about things. And Trump has to start favourite. You know, forget the curse, forget everything else. He is the best player in the world right now. And, and it's as simple as that. Mark Allen, uh, sixteen to one. He could be uh, an interesting player throughout the tournament as well. I think things could be coming good for him. Shed some weight, and um, that was his decision. He just felt that he needed to get fitter. I don't know that he was a stone and a half 
lighter when we saw him last playing in the, there's, the Tour Championship. There's, there's, there are two ways of coming out of lockdown. Either very big or, very, yeah. or much slimmer. Yeah. And it's, it's quite interesting. But he's, 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 he's clearly worked hard on, it, on, on every aspect. And uh, yeah, he's a big prize. Listen, you, you've given us a few there that may be capable of, of lifting the trophy. Yeah. Give us the one. We want the one. If I had to pick anybody right now... I... I think I might. I think O'Sullivan can win it again. I did. I stated this at the Welsh Open when uh, he lost there, and he didn't get into the Tour Championship and all the big events coming up to it. And I got absolute pelters on social media for daring to say that Ronnie could win. And the reason he can win is because he is still a very leading player. And I just, as I've already said, the nature of this year's championship, the, the different nature of it. I think he's got a real chance. If he can get past Tepchiranu and get into the tournament proper, then you know he might fancy his chances. His draw is then Ding Junhui or Mark King. We haven't seen anything Ding for a while. Mark King, he would fancy beating all of their old rivals. And I think if he got into the heart of the tournament into week two, long matches, uh, Sullivan, uh, I think he can win it. Well, that's how I see it, Rachel. What about you? How, you you've spoken to all the players over the last two or three years. You, you kind of know them reasonably well. Where would your money go? Yeah, and that's that's really difficult because I do know them so well, and I'm chatting to them, and you know, you you you're delighted when they win, and you're disappointed when they lose. I do have a bit of a feeling for Mark Allen, though. I do I do think at around about sixteen to one, I'd give him a good chance. But listen, I just usually like just to to sit on the fence and stay out of it. It's terrible. It is. I just think the point when you interview players and they and they lose. It hurts. Mm, you know, they're hurt. I know. And there's two ways that can go. They can just get fed up with the game or that hurt will drive them on to win, you know. And, you know, what, it, what is Mark like after a defeat? You know, he's always very polite, but it's a, it's a question of what it means to him, right? Yeah, it is. And But I think every player is different, right? Because, yeah. you know, they could come out and be extremely professional and, you know, congratulate the other guy and well done. I mean, God knows what happens afterwards. You get into a dressing room and there's <laughs> all sorts of a mess, maybe. Who knows? Neil, thank you so much and we'll be catching up over the next couple of days. And that's it for now. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Break. Please subscribe, rate and review the podcast on your platform of choice if you can. We'd love you for it. Don't forget it's Eurosport and Eurosport.com to watch the World Snooker Championship from the 31st of July to the 16th of August. We'll be back with more once the action is underway in Sheffield. But until then, from Neil and myself, it's goodbye and thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.